We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And by the skin of their teeth, the Lakers get an overtime victory over the Washington Wizards last night. Oh, boy, that was a, you know, I curse words flying at the TV type of game. But the Wizards came out to play, right? Jordan Poole had not had a, a, has not had a great season, but he had a great game last night. Kuz came out to play. Corey Kispert played very well. That said, again, uh, this Lakers team is a team that is either on or it's off in a, a lot of times in terms of its energy and uh, level of spirit. But hearing the guys in the locker room, just LeBron, I use this kind of a bellwether on these type of games. I remember the game at Philly. I was watching that and I was like, I was so hot after that game, the way we got our butts kicked. And LeBron was similarly irritated. And so I felt very validated in my feelings on that one. I was irritated last night, and then I hear LeBron, and hearing his explanation kind of cooled me down a little bit in that it was such an emotional win over the Clippers, right? Biggest comeback in 20 years, fourth quarter comeback for the team, uh, biggest one of his career in the fourth quarter, that this type of game against that effect that you always talk about, Mike, of guys are going to show out in LA. Of course, Kuz wants to give us buckets, right? Like there's just a different sort of energy. And Spencer Dinwiddie had a really interesting quote about this last night and a team that's going to run. And LeBron spoke about this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Mike. You know, you understand the ebb and flow of a season better than anybody. And so as irritating as last night was, Lakers end February, nine and three. And so an odd Lakers team, to say the least, but curious your thoughts on last night's win. Yeah, I, I do move mostly past the basketball in a back-to-back situation like this. And for the Lakers, just take the wins and bank the wins, especially given how they probably should have lost the Clipper game, uh, being down 21 in the fourth quarter. And in this game, Washington, as bad as they are, like they, they have players even on that team that has lost 12 games in a row, um, that when they play their actual hardest and when they play together, they can win games. And I think the Lakers go into this one. The effort was about what I expected it to be. Like, so it wasn't great, but it was enough at times that, you know, if Washington doesn't hit, 
as many threes as they hit. And if the Lakers are just a little bit more serious, like it, this is a game that they control, but the Wizards did play well. And the point that I was making, like, so Spencer Dinwiddie actually got asked about the game after, and he was like, you know what? I, I kind of get a little better what it's uh-huh. like being a Laker and how hard these guys play against you. And I, you know, he grew up here. So he's like, I had an idea of it and I played against the Lakers and all the games that I played against the Lakers are, you know, feel like that. But he's like, it's been every game. Like there isn't a game where you come out and the other team isn't ready to roll um, or like the home crowd is not there behind you, which is something that also lifts the other team, by the way, not just uh, not just the Lakers, like the fact that the building that the fans are ready, that gets the other team ready to to roll as well. And so those factors, he's just kind of like how I felt when I came from the Timberwolves to the Lakers. And I was like, oh, it's like this every night for the opponent comes in every night and plays a certain way. So that enables victories for those opponents on the nights where you don't match enough of the energy. And it's just impossible to match the energy every night. Um, even if it, as somebody that's watching the team every night, you're kind of like, guys, well, Hey, do you see that dude just run past you? It's, it, it's hard to do that every night. So it, it is a point that I seem to make a lot. Um, and Anthony Davis also, while he was waiting to do the walk-off interview after his fourth 40 point game of the season, and I guess you know, technically the third, if you because the stupid uh, in-season tournament final doesn't count um, in the yeah. statistics. He he was like he looked over at me because sometimes there's a pause where we're waiting for the broadcast uh, to conclude so that we can start the interview. It was usually it, it's seamless, but in this case we're kind of waiting. And he looked at me and later explained in the locker room, he's like, "Dude, I I was tired. I need to go get some ice." Yeah on my legs. Like I was actually really tired um, from all of the, that he had to put in for this back to back where he played huge minutes, right. For two consecutive nights. So all that stuff was going on. Uh, and the fact that the Lakers are just able to escape the building with a victory and, you know, keep pace, uh, even though they're still in the nine seed, despite going nine and three in February uh, was certainly significant. And now the Kings are a game and a half ahead um, with the Lakers not going into this, this next stretch, including a game against the Kings next week. I thought the Lakers were going to lose that game. I must have texted mm-hmm. you guys like seven different times. <laughs> like, it looks like the Lakers are going to lose. I think they're going to lose. Mike hit me at the end of it all, just like, never in doubt, which I'm sure was like a little stomp on my grave. Well, yeah, of, he, he had called it too. Mike's like, I've seen this movie before. They're going to win this game. They'll, they'll figure it out. I want Mike to tell the truth, though. There were a couple of times where I'm just like, Oh, the turnover right before oh, the chase down, like the way he made the turnover, <laughs> yes. he was too upright. It was kind of a casual pass. And he explained in the post game, like they miscommunicated. But as he made that turnover, that was the point where I'm like, we're going to lose this freaking game. And then out of nowhere, LeBron emerges, gets that incredible chase down. Well, the, so I'll, I'll I'll just clarify my feeling about how the game was going to turn out based more off of the Wizards defense. And like as much as they were as much as they played well for the Wizards and they were hitting shots, I think most notably the pool go ahead three in the final minute. The Lakers still had multiple chances to score there. And when they actually got focused and got downhill and either LeBron went to the rim or Anthony Davis, like they're the Wizards are horrible defensively. And so that was what that was based on. And I was like, the Lakers are just they're trying to just hang around long enough so that they can execute a couple of possessions and they certainly danced um uh, with de- with death but that was where i was Darius had from. a funny text where he was like the lakers are playing exactly hard enough to be a point ahead it was something to that effect right and i i thought that accurately yes. portrayed the game 
that portrays half of yes. the season. Yeah, uh, yeah. Too. And that's year 21 LeBron plus the the rotations. It, and yeah, all it's also that. why yeah. energy guys are important. When you were talking about that, Mike, like that idea of like having energy guys on the Lakers since everybody is going to bring it. You know, it, I think this has been such a topic, kind of a subplot of this season. So just uh, as you were talking about that, I was like, yeah, you got probably got to account for that on the roster. I must say that the near turnover right at the end of regulation where LeBron was inbounding baseline and, and tried to inbound it to AD and it got Oh yeah, and it went right away. to Austin? Yes, that would have been fatal. And Austin Ugh. was just like fortuitously in that same area and grabbed the ball. And then Austin hits that Euro stepping, leaning, mm-hmm. fading bank shot from six feet away to tie the game. Like a Luka type move. Totally. So it was one of those nights. And afterwards, I felt a sense of relief. And like Mike said, just like, thank goodness they could bank a win. And it's funny, Pete, you sent us a text message this morning, and I can't remember who tweeted it out, but it was like um, a meme, right, of a Warriors fan basically saying they've won 12 (laughs) of 15, and they're still in the 10th seed. And believe me, like, I feel mm-hmm. the same way as a Lakers fan. Like, and you just cited this, right? The Lakers are nine and three in February, and they've gained ground on the teams ahead of them, but haven't passed anyone. They're still in ninth. And you and your wife are just trying to avoid each other in the nine ten game right now, man. <laughs> Mike, I will tell you this, man. You have no idea <laughs> what it's been like. So a few years ago, remember. LeBron hit that moonshot three when he said he couldn't see, and that was against the Warriors in the play-in game in order to eliminate them. And then a whole playoff series of that bullshit, of going back and forth, us watching games in different rooms, hearing... Civil War, bro. I almost want to say that doesn't even do it justice for like the tension that exists Ooh. in the war, but in then you guys sleep household. in the same yeah. bed after the battle. Oh man. And then my kids are in here, like trying to figure yeah, out which where allegiance their, where did they their have. loyalties lie? My oldest has turned into saying we, when she talks about the Let's Lakers. Go. So <laughs> I'm doing my job. job so pops. I'm doing my job here. My youngest is still split, but I think that they see, they understand. They understand. All right. It's just just not it's funny because not historical rivals, despite, you know, the proximity geographically, just because they were never good at the same time until these last couple well, of years. Whole- and even by saying good at the same time, it's like they're they're still at the bottom end of the West or bottom end of the playoff West. Yeah. There's a whole L.A. Bay Area <laughs> dynamic there, too, though. So, yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Dodgers, Giants. Yeah. Yeah. And like a little bit in the NFL, but it but it hasn't impacted the Lakers and Warriors as much as you would think is what I would say. Like from coming from out of state sure. coming in, for sure. it's like, Oh, you just, because it's, it's a little harder to hate one another when there's so many other teams that you're playing against that are trying to beat your ass. I will say too, that an interesting dynamic is the idea that's like so many LA fans from a football perspective are also Raiders fans. And so the Raiders were in Oakland for such a long time. And so were the Warriors. Right. And so I honestly think, too, that there was this crossover fan effect where because the Warriors were not as good and the Lakers were at the top of the league all during the Showtime era and then into the early 90s, that there was a lot of like, oh, well, we like the Lakers up here, too. And so I used to go to those early 2000s Warriors games and there were always a ton 
of Lakers fans there. In fact, there was this tweet that got put out the other day, like the what was the you were there game for you? And I said that I was at the game where Kobe and Jameson both went yeah. for 50 and the Warriors great game about a win. Yeah. And that was a great win. But for the Warriors, but the old Oracle Arena, man, great and the crowd. juice that would be in that building was a yeah, great, great crowd. Juice. And those Lakers-Warriors games always had juice because there were so many great Lakers fans that, that would show out to support the Lakers. And then the Warriors fans would definitely get territorial and would be like, oh, no, not in our building. And it was a great time. So let's go to break here. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the game and then looking forward to maybe Saturday a little bit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, guys, that's a, this is our next five games that we have coming up. We have Denver tomorrow, then Oklahoma City on Monday. These are all at home. The Kings on Wednesday, Milwaukee on Friday, and then the Timberwolves on this uh, next Sunday. That's quite a stretch. And then we got Kings Warriors, uh, the, the two after that. So this is a... That was the last game for a minute where the team's going to be able to kind of be on cruise control for a bit and still win the game. I am very curious about this team's ability to sustain, right? Because we see when they bring out that degree of energy, they can be really, really good. But how often they're able to do that, I think, is in question. We're about to find out. I think this team really misses Vando in this respect, but that's we've got the guys that we've got. And so I, I kicked that question to both of you is like the ability to play high level basketball consistently is something this team hasn't done a ton of. Can they get there? Yeah, this is the are you serious part of the schedule, yeah. Mike. And I'll be interested to see how serious the Lakers are not necessarily from a wins and losses perspective. This is a gauntlet. And if the Lakers were to be three and two in these games after this stretch, like I would take that as mm -hmm. like, oh, my goodness. But like, that's a great showing. But even taking wins and losses out of the equation, Mike, there is a level of we're in this from a mentality perspective that was absent for all of maybe four total minutes against the Wizards 
and was absent for a fair amount of the Clippers game as well until they really locked in during the fourth quarter. And coming out of the All-Star break, there have not been a lot of stretches where the team has looked like they have been ready to compete and play hard for an extended stretch. Going into the All-Star break, there was a ton of like, we're in a great rhythm and that sort of catapulted the team forward the way that you get into a groove as as a runner right and and it's just step after step after step and there's that propulsion that the team had i think the all-star break sapped them of that and they've been searching to try to get that back but now's the time mike for them to sort of turn on the seriousness within their their game and i'm interested to hear your perspective about just about that idea in general and and how you see the team responding to this immediate stretch. You know, I've heard the take the one game at a time thing so often from the mouth of Kobe Bryant and LeBron James uh, for basically the whole time that I've covered the Lakers that it's it's shifted my perspective a little bit when looking at, at a stretch like this. And for example, the first game against Denver, I just sent you guys this clip because I hadn't actually seen it, but the Jamal Murray ankle injury you know, that ends up having a major factor in Saturday's game. It looked it looked bad enough where I wouldn't be surprised if he was out for a little while. But you never know with an ankle like that. He certainly could play. Uh, and if he does, I mean, remember, as great as Jokic was, Murray was just savage He's in the so win good. that Denver had against the Lakers. Um, uh, it was a 114-106. It was, it was kind of nip and tuck the whole game. And Murray hit... Every clutch bucket. Um, and guess what that reminded of us of? The entire Western Conference Finals, where it seemed like neither he or Porter Jr. nor KCP missed an open three, right? The kind that uh, even last game, even last night for the Lakers, like Reeves had another one um, that he's been getting. It just, it just wouldn't go, it just won't go down for him, right? It's going in and out, um, even if it looks good. So that to me makes a huge difference in that game. And then you get on to the, uh, like the OKC game. And the Lakers have played really well against them. Well, OKC knows that. And OKC just lost to San Antonio. So mm-hmm. they're, like, there are all these different headlines and storylines going into each game. So how the Lakers will play and if they can develop some consistency, I think that I'll give this uh, at least for this stretch. There are no back-to-backs uh, until – and there are no road games other than the Sacramento one-off on the 13th. And I think that from a mental standpoint, that at least at least lets LeBron and AD have the best chance to be in a, a sort of good competitive headspace going into all of these games. And the Vanderbilt types uh, certainly would help. I think Jackson Hayes is, is always important for stretches like that. But I at least think that if the Lakers are going to put together some sort of a run like they did in February here, that the the elimination of the travel and the back-to-backs uh, lets enough recovery for the stars uh, to sort of get in, in a playoff type of a mode. Uh, my concern of that is that they're having to start this playoff mode again like they did last year, and that's going to sap all their energy if they actually get to the playoffs. But it is what it is. I can't think about that right now, right? They, they have to enter this mode and this mindset. And, you know, I do think that that gives them a chance to win a lot of these games, even against strong opponents. I think it's actually great for the team uh to get them in that mindset right like there's a certain amount of the whole load management and we don't practice in the just the league-wide ethos right that it's sort of like saying you're it's it's sort of like saying that you're like not you're sitting on your couch because you're load managing right and waiting for that time to go to the gym where you can you know put up more 
on the bench press, you can run for longer, but that's not really how it works. It's like you have to, Darius, you went from not running to running. I'd actually love to hear your perspective on this because to me, it's sort of like you have to do it to be used to doing it. And so I'm really excited about this upcoming stretch for the Lakers. I think being challenged is good for them and getting into the getting into good basketball habits is going to be essential if they have bigger aspirations. And so this type of stretch, I think, is great for them. Remember when you were in high school and like you practiced and there was that stretch, though, where if it was like basketball season and it was coming up in the fall that like you hadn't really you had played pickup with your friends mm-hmm. and gone to the park and done this, this, that and the other. But you hadn't actually practiced in a long time. And that after that first day of practice and the first day of practice is always one of those things, too, where the coaches are like extra right. brutal. You got to set you. the tone. Oh, we're going to roll. Exactly. Ball, balls are staying in the rack. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. And at the end, it's just like shoot your free mm-hmm. throws. Oh, you missed. Get on the line. A lot 17s. of that stuff. Uh-huh. Right. And I was like, I just came from soccer season. Let's go, right. coaches. Yeah, and, that's like, and we were like, that's why you're on the team. and so but that's the point but mike that's a great interjection there from you because for those of us who weren't playing endurance sports year round your legs were not ready but you had to go practice the next day coaches weren't like being like okay that was our one practice for the week you're good to go that first practice was on monday after school tuesday after school you better Mm -hmm. be there and Wednesday after school, you were going to be there. And we're doing Thursday this for two after weeks. school, you were going yeah. to be there. And by the time you got to the next Monday, your body learned what it was in store for. And it was ready to respond to what was needed. And in bringing it back to the Laker schedule, the phrase that Rajon Rondo used, used to always use, Mike, and, and LeBron would say this as well, is, is iron sharpens iron. And the Lakers are going to need to cut their teeth against top competition if they expect to go into the playoffs and win a round and then win a second round and and then compete at a higher level than they did last season. And the way that you get there is by showing that you can consistently perform at the level that's needed against the type of competition that you're going to face in the playoffs. And that's what this stretch represents to me. I totally agree. And I think that you're both right. Uh, my, what, what the point I'm trying to make though, is that nobody understands the rhythms of a regular season heading into a postseason like LeBron. And what I think cost the Lakers some last year is that like they got into that mode, iron sharpened iron. They like, they won game after game. And because they had had to push the pedal down that hard, there there was just a little bit less gas in the tank by the time they got to Denver. But maybe that happens anyway because of Jokic sure. and his age and and like the way that the series are and the way that he's able to impact or play how he plays, even against Anthony Davis, which no other big man can do. Um, and same thing when they play the Warriors, right? Draymond just can't impact Jokic, and then all of a sudden the Warriors' defense crumbles. So I, yeah. that maybe that happens anyway. And and so I'm I just think that like LeBron in LeBron's case, he knows exactly how the team has to get. It's just that how how long can he get his body, which he's about to score forty thousand points? Incredible. Just sometimes I just think about the math of that, like just watching one game and watching what it takes to score one NBA bucket. 
I think like 40,000. Well, a 2,000 point, 40, point points. season was always kind of a standard for scoring a lot of points in a yeah. season. And so if you think about what 40,000 points is, that's that 20 times. Wild. It's wild. But I, so that that I think I think we've covered that well, though. I mean, that's that's going to be how how can the Lakers meet that moment from an energy standpoint? What I, I do want to get back to, they've made a slight tweak in the rotation that we've been kind of looking <laughs> towards with Torian Prince now having his shifts cut uh-huh. a little bit. And I I just am. So Max ended up playing for Cam in the second half, I think because of the back to back. I think that Reddish should be OK. Um, for Saturday, but I just wondered what you guys thought of that as you enter this stretch of good games, who is going to be playing these minutes? And so, Pete, after the break, uh, let's hit that. Yeah, I think that's a a vital topic. Um, My attention goes straight to the end of first and third quarters. Uh, where those are the groups that are are the smaller groups. Again, we're in beating dead horse territory, but there have been groups where it's like Dinwiddie, Austin, Prince, and Reddish, and then uh, AD at the five, right? And so I added up their rebound totals yesterday. The other four guys, aside from AD, average a combined 10.2 rebounds per game. And so that's that's really low amongst four guys. That's, you know, two and a half boards on average per game. And so you're asking Anthony Davis to get everything at the end of his shifts. This is another thing I was thinking of last night, too, is that he's already just played like six, seven minutes of a shift where with having Ruby out there. And I do want us to talk about the starters, too, not just bitch and moan about the small, smaller bench groups. Right. Because the starters have shown flaws as well. Um, but with that. um with those smaller groups, you've, you're asking AD to really cover every rebound, every physical aspect at the end of his shift when he's at presumably more tired than the beginning of it, right? And so that to me are stretches where we're bleeding points un- unnecessarily in ways where just a simple tweak right there, whether to me it's Hayes or that's the part where where Rui could be helpful as well, D. So I kick that to you. That's kind of my, uh, my main part of what can we do? And I while not pretending that the starters have been perfect and without, you know, uh, we need to analyze them too. Yeah, I actually think that really needs to rebound better as well. Yes, I was going to um, bring that I up. I think yeah. his size is useful, but I, like he's not grabbing enough rebounds himself. And, and so I'd like to see him improve in that area as well. We We often lament that like Prince isn't so much a better shooter than Rui. Just when you look at the stats... And yeah, the stats can be both misleading, but also tell a true story. Like there's truth in the numbers as well. And for the season, Prince is averaging three, 2.9 rebounds a game in 29.4 minutes a game. Rui's averaging 3.8 rebounds a game Mm -hmm. in 25 minutes a game. Like, those are very mm-hmm. close. It's a little better, but in very similar numbers. Rui's a little bit better, but I want to see him actually impact the glass a little bit more than what he Why do you think he's too. not a better defensive rebounder? A lot of the Lakers' instincts, a lot of their instincts, they are not out of area rebounders in general. So they get the rebounds that are close to them. And their first instinct, and we talked about this the other day, and we were talking about this mostly with the guards, but 
I think it can be true with LeBron. I think it can be true with AD at times. I also think it can be true with Rui mm-hmm. that they turn and they watch the ball and they do not react until the ball hits That's the right. rim. And if you're reacting when the ball hits the rim, you are late. Yep. So talk about high school coach I was, stuff, I, right? This is something that high school coaches will drill into their players. That or if you just pull up a just type in Dennis Rodman highlight and and you'll see that dude is uh, moving. I miss way Vando. Before, I miss right? Vando so much. Recently on TikTok, I get all of these like this is so and so's first game against so and so or here's a matchup between player X and player Y. And the other day I got fed one between Dennis Rodman and Charles Barkley. And it was just the string of clips of them going at each other a little bit. And the number of times that Rodman was, the ball is up in the air, and then he is tracking it. And at the same time that he's tracking it, he instinctively is moving to places on the court that are going to get him in better Mm -hmm. position to go get the ball once it's there. And so the number of times that he got these tip-ins or these tips to himself in order to get the ball, that's not happening because he's just lucky. And the ball, it happens to fall where he's standing. He is doing his work early. And we talk about doing your work early a ton in defensive situations. Do your work early against Jokic. That means basically body him at the three-point line so that he is not backing you all the way down to four feet from the paint by the time that he's ready to make a post-catch, right? Do your work early against a shooter like I don't know, Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, where you're getting topside to top lock them and doing and getting physical with them off of the ball to knock them off of their track. You saw LeBron do his work early against Kawhi in the Clippers game where he is shading him a certain way and getting in ball denial position. And in rebounding, Pete, you have to do your work early. If you are watching as the ball hits the rim, you are late and that's the worst thing you could be as a rebounder is late there was so when i coached my team was not very tall but the thing that i realized that helped in the way that i could was that we could actually win the ground game and so the long rebounds and so that sort of thing is if that ball hits the elbow and we don't get that shit like all of you guys are on the baseline that was one of my things that like we're stopping whatever we're doing. And just to emphasize that point of this is the thing that we can win. These dudes can dunk. We can't dunk. Right. And so we got to be able to shut the gate, rotate on defense, but win that ground game. And all of that has to do with doing that work early, you know? And so one of the things I would still like to see, Mike, and I think this speaks to Pete's point about AD at the end of his shifts is support him at the end of his shifts with the guy who's going to replace him. Yes. And so one of the things that has transpired since the Lakers have lost Vando and Wood to injury is that a lot of the subs are, you play the same position as me, and so now I'm in for you. And so that's what the Lakers are doing. It's just like they are subbing out Rui and LeBron at roughly the same time, and they are subbing in the two forwards for them who are replacing them. And then when AD goes out, he is Hayes is coming in for him. And what I would like to see a little bit more of is 
those staggered subs where AD gets a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes of game action with Jackson Hayes to sort of ease the runway of AD at the end of his shift so that Hayes can support him a little bit. Hayes then doesn't have to do all of the big man things either. And then AD gets to go out a little bit more gracefully rather than being like, oh man, I just had to do all of this. And Hayes doesn't have to come in and be like, oh, well now I have to do all of this stuff with only LeBron next to me because Rui is getting his natural rest at that point as well. And it seems like a simple tweak and I haven't like looked at it on on a spreadsheet or anything, but I would love to just see Hayes come in a little bit earlier to help support that that idea and find some ways where it's not like, okay, all your big forwards are out now and now it's all wings. And now our one center is out and we're bringing our next one center in. It's just like they can play together a little bit more. Well, this takes me back to the roster, essentially, and like what I was thinking ahead of the season and worrying about what was going to happen behind AD. And, you know, Jackson Hayes and Christian Wood have actually both had some really good moments this year. But, you know, they're also vet men guys and they're inconsistent and they have some holes in their respective games and all that. And so there there isn't that player, I think, that's on that you look down on the bench and think, hey, this guy's going to go in and just either help AD or completely hold this down. And so, but that is what it is. I don't want to spend too much time on it. It's a little bit like what we were just talking about with the rebounding Rui or Prince, or these guys are not going to just learn that right now ahead of this next stretch in these home games. So the only thing that can shift some is the, is the personnel and when it is playing and, and with whom. And, you know, that's kind of the, that's the tricky part. And what's happened now, and to get back to that point that we had before the break about, you know, Prince playing less. Um, I do think that he is the is the struggles the most with the rebounding um, element. But, you know, Reddish, who can replace him and add some point of attack defense, also not a great rebounder and not like the first thing that he thinks of, but at least a little he better. He gets like loose balls you know? too, and, though, and he can like drop down. And when Cam jumps, he's going to get one of them rebounds where he, the ball slaps his other hand and it makes a big old yeah. popping noise, like, you know, like he's, he like can do if it. it were, if it were a big point of emphasis uh, and I don't know, me, look, maybe when, when I'm in the locker room, I'm just going to go up to Cam Reddish and be like, how many rebounds can you get next? There you game? go. You know? There you go, Mike. There you go. Just, just Let's make it happen. But like, there's got <laughs> be the change you want you know? to see, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> there, but it's gonna or you know or Reeves who has had a couple of big rebounding games mm-hmm. from time to time. Or, He's getting like, like four a game. Austin, yeah, amongst better rebounders, Austin would be fine. He he can get some yeah, rebounds. The sandwich rebounding right. stuff. Like there's just there's but somebody you know has to kind of has to redouble efforts. LeBron did it in Golden State. Right. That was how they won that game in uh, in Golden State. Right. But somebody but LeBron is not how much you keep asking LeBron to do. It's just there are guys that I think have to make a special effort to do it. That is atypical of what right. they, of, of what they would. Too. That's part of it. And then part of it is just not playing the Prince at the four lineups when AD is tired. Can I just say, too, we're talking about this now and it's been a season long thing and we've gone back and forth. You know when it matters the most? Saturday. Yes. When the Lakers play a team with a bunch of 6'10 dudes who play forward and then Nikola Jokic, who is maybe the one guy in the league who really impacts Anthony Davis in a way where it's just like, oh, this dude's different. 
if the Lakers play lineups with Prince at the four, with groups that are have Aaron Gordon in them and Nikola Jokic on the court, the Lakers are going to get steamrolled on the backboard. Even guys like Watson, right? Or like even their perimeter guys, uh, they get opportunities. Brown, right. Yeah. They get opportunities as a result of just kind of smaller groups out there. I'm looking for changes now. And the thing is, is we have entered the part of the season, guys. There needs to be more game to game game planning and adjusting. Yes. As yes. like, we're not all the way to the playoffs yet where it's just like, oh, opponent specific, opponent specifics, like super hardcore, like drilled down two hour film session before each game, like that sort of thing. But this is a stretch of games that is the runway to that, Pete. And so we're inching into that territory more and more. And it's time to adjust the lineups to match what the other team is doing at the bare minimum. 30 games left and we're the ninth seed. And a lot of the teams around us are playing well. We're going to have to play really good basketball against. Yes, I'm sorry. We're 20 games left, uh, 20 games left in the season. And we're the ninth seed. And we're going to have to play really well against really good teams. And so we may not beat a playoff level game planning type of stuff, but yeah, in terms of like turning it up, the time is now it's got to be way closer to that, to, you know, earlier season, just kind of get through it type of basketball. But, you know, we're missing, this is, this is where I go back to Vando Mike and, and missing him, you know, it's going to take a, a degree of effort that is counter to guys uh, level of, you know, get after it that I'm, I'm worried about over the next few games. Give me, give me like one minute each on Denver without Murray. Uh, I, I just am curious, like how how that looks, how it's different, how you defend Jokic uh, in a way, and how you think that impacts. I'd love to see us be able to turn up the pressure on the perimeter. So I think Cam's going to be an important factor. I think they lose a critical ball handler and shot maker. Um, but can they absolutely beat you? Well, despite that, yes. Uh, I loved how AD played against Jokic in the individual matchup. That was the best that I thought he played him one-on-one in the last game. Now, I think Jokic has a gear or two he can get to that was beyond that, that AD will also have to meet. But curious your thoughts on that, D, uh, as we close out, is like AD, that AD-Jokic matchup, the last game really stood out to me. And so uh, curious your thoughts on just that matchup in general. I think just just in general, AD needs to talk about doing his work early, like he needs to do his work early against Jokic defensively. I also think that AD has not been as successful offensively against Jokic as what the Lakers need. And I think that this is in the matchups moving forward. I would love for AD to be going quicker against Jokic to not examining the the other factors defensively that he might be up up against Jokic is pretty much going to single cove cover him and they're going to take away AD's passing reads and they're going to say go score against this guy because we think his low hands and quick hands and quick feet are going to be good enough to slow and you he's down a, great a little positional bit so, defender too yeah Totally. And so this is a game, too, where it's just like AD's jumper needs to go in and he needs to to me, I think it's counterintuitive, but he needs to build his offensive attack off of his jumper rather than the opposite of being like, oh, I'm going to attack, attack, attack and use my foot speed in order to try to get by you. 
The reason, one of the key reasons why the Lakers beat the Nuggets in the bubble when this same matchup was basically there was AD's offensive attack was built way more around like that mid post and long two jumper being buttery. And then as you step out against that, it's all the baseline rip through drives, the reverse layups, the the strong drive, middle, left, and then drop step for like the little jump hook off like like off of the glass. So many of his offensive moves are built off of the fact that the jumper is going in. And I think he really needs to do that against Jokic. The other thing that I would point to, Pete, just in terms of big picture stuff, without Murray, Porter Jr. becomes way more important. And in the last game, Porter Jr. murdered the Lakers. And it was, he was a key reason why they won that game. It's because he was the one that that wouldn't miss. I would much prefer LeBron on Porter I like LeBron Jr. on him too, yes. And Rui on, on Gordon. Aaron Gordon. And the Lakers have been playing that the yeah. opposite. Like, because they love to put LeBron on the non-shooter. But I would prefer for LeBron to be on the guy who was the more impactful offensive player in the same way that he did it against Kawhi. I get that it's a harder ask for him to do that, but Maybe Porter Jr. Half. becomes sure. And, and, but Porter Jr. is so important to them offensively as a guy who can turn the game. And if you shut off his water to a certain extent, then I think the game tilts in your favor a bit more. And that's particularly so without Murray, yeah. if he does not play. All right, got to wrap up here. But uh, uh, this was, was a fun pod. We will be back on Monday to talk about how the Denver game went. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here by McLaughlin. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth block an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, stick so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two one, miss it. it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.